0: So, hi again everyone. This is my first uh, long Zoom teaching. I've worked with uh, small groups. So, uh, this is a new experience for me as it is for many of us. Uh, I imagine that uh, many, if not most, or all of the talks related to cultivating mindfulness and wisdom and compassion these days have a very uh, similar focus. You know, we could talk about how do we keep a sense of presence, mindfulness, skillful action, compassion, and wisdom during, during the time of the pandemic. And so I want to offer some of what um, seems helpful to me to, and then have a conversation together about our, our collective practice. Uh, And and what's also very interesting, I think part of our learning and uh, part of our developing insight is that in many ways, uh, our experiences are very similar all around the world, that a lot of what we're looking at and seeing what's helpful, what's challenging, how do we meet the challenges, these are ways that uh, we can ask questions and get responses that are increasingly relevant for large numbers of people in all the different countries that were announced near the beginning, in in North America, in uh you know, in, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa and so forth. Uh and so that's that's very interesting. So my own I wanted to say a little bit about my own immediate situation. I'm I'm uh communicating from uh, Berkeley, California in the San Francisco Bay Area. I had actually scheduled to be on uh, a personal meditation retreat for four weeks during the month of March. It was due to be over uh, last Saturday, and it was actually at Spirit Rock, And we found out, uh, I think, on April, on on March 14th, that Spirit Rock was going to close on the 15th. So I've essentially, I went home, came home on March 15th, about a little over two weeks ago. And I, like many of, I think, my fellow retreatants, decided to keep the retreat going at home. It became a kind of modified retreat where I was doing about nine hours a day of formal practice Along with reading the newspaper, going to the New York Times website, um, being in c- contact with uh, f- some friends and family, looking at email and so forth. Uh, but And then uh, I would talk every two days with a close friend who was doing something very similar. So I've actually now in the last few days had a little more of my normal routine, but I've really still kept in a, a modified Retreat of six or seven hours of practice a day. And I'll, I'll come back to that because one of the potentials for our time is actually uh, deepening our own individual practice, or a lot of potentials. That's one of them. I'll come back to that. Um, interestingly, uh, I was scheduled as of quite a few months ago, uh, we had made plans for me to teach a retreat this coming weekend. The title of the retreat was to be Dharma practice in a time of collective challenge and crisis. That was, a to- <laughs> that was the topic I chose many months ago. That retreat has been canceled. That retreat on the theme of Dharma practice in a time of crisis has been canceled because there's a crisis. So here we go. I'm gonna mute myself. That was hysterical. Yeah. So anyway, that's so I think humor's good to find during during this time. So I wanted to talk just about uh, really a few themes. Each of them we could focus on for you know an hour or more, or uh, you know a week or a month. But I wanted to give kind of an overview of some of what I find useful during this time, what other people find useful, and then we'll have the second half of the hour, we'll open it up to our shared discussion, including our shared uh, wisdom and insights. So first of all, I think it's really crucial to bear in mind that uh, crises are opportunities. There are opportunities for creative responses in many ways. I think the, uh, I think it's, if I remember correctly, the I Ching symbol number 49 is the symbol of crisis and it also is connected with opportunity. I was also thinking very much of uh, a remarkable book by Rebecca Solnit, who's from San Francisco, who uh, wrote a book, uh, I don't know, quite a number of years ago, 10 years ago plus, called A Paradise Built in Hell. And she was reflecting on how in most, virtually all of the crises that she studied, uh, you know, which were most, mostly natural, uh, natural disasters, but also September 11th in New York, in those uh, crises where the authorities were sometimes fearful of what would happen and even, uh, you know, breakdowns of order and so forth. What almost universally happened was that people came together in creative and beautiful ways. And I wanted to read just one passage from the book, which was about the what happened um, after the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. This is from Dorothy Day, the, the great... Um, Catholic spiritual activist uh, who founded the Catholic Worker and so forth. And uh, she grew up in Oakland, California, not far from where I am, and was eight years old at the time of the earthquake. This is what she later wrote. What I remember most plainly about the earthquake was the human warmth and kindliness of everyone afterwards. For days, refugees poured out of burning San Francisco and camped in Idora Park and the racetrack in Oakland. Mother and all our neighbors were busy from morning to night cooking hot meals. They gave away every extra garment they possessed. They stripped themselves to the bone in giving, forgetful of the morrow and she concludes, while the crisis lasted, people loved each other. So maybe you've seen versions of that in your own communities. I certainly have, uh, you know, the way that uh, things have opened up. Uh, I live on a street, a quiet, relatively quiet residential street in Berkeley, California. And we've been having gatherings in the middle of the street at least once a week where people stay six feet away and they talk with each other. And there's a lot of creativity that's coming out of this time. Uh, again, crises can uh, open up uh, potentials. In the United States, the crisis of the Depression brought about the New Deal. And so that's a potential. You know, there was a, a writer who imagined the beautiful potentials coming out of our time. Uh, She wrote, uh, um, this was a visionary account, she wrote, all wars were put on hold thanks to a unanimous resolution in the UN Security Council. Iran reached a detente with Israel after medical researchers banded together to develop a treatment that saved the life of millions, including uh, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. So that sense of um, creativity and opportunity I think is really crucial as a starting point. And then there, there are a number of supports which I think are familiar to most of us, which are really important to name. It's very crucial to, first of all, really ground in connection and community. You know, for many of us, that will mean our family and friends. The uh, various opportunities online have been remarkable. So find the level of connection and community that one needs, we might say, to uh, mitigate the negative effects of social distancing, which are necessary from a standpoint of... uh, what they call uh, flattening the curve of the pandemic, but there there are negative effects there. So we really have to, in many creative ways, uh, connect with community. We also want to really ground in the ethical guidelines. This was Heidi's theme last week, to really uh, keep the ethical guidelines of being truthful and helpful in our speech, of being uh, helpful to others, not causing harm uh, and so forth. Uh, Really being careful with our own uh, personal actions in regard to uh, all sorts of things. Traditionally, the guidelines were about sexuality and speech and substances which shift consciousness to be careful with those. I think related to that last point is one very important guideline, and I found, I found this very much in conducting a retreat the last two weeks while also uh, attending to the news and being online and so forth. I think it, I found it really crucial and it was, it was helpful because I had, had a schedule, but I really limited the amount of media. And I found that roughly, uh, you know, half an hour was adequate to keep me really pretty well informed. And we want to be really careful. When I would go to the New York Times website, I would notice a lot of scary stories. If I stay with these for hours, it will increase my anxiety, and I the extra information isn't really necessary. So I think being careful about media, and probably many of you have already done this, but to... to uh, to bear that in mind and if necessary limit the media input to what's really important and necessary. Keep an overview and really be grounded in one's core intentions. What's important for me right now? You may, you know, from a standpoint of practice it would be keeping with mindfulness, developing awareness, keeping with a kind and balanced heart, Uh, Keeping cultivating clear seeing and wisdom and acting in skillful, compassionate ways. Just remembering those core intentions can be helpful. And the way that we want to keep on cultivating our sense of uh, presence and mindfulness, awareness, uh, keep on developing the qualities of the heart. I think very beautiful for each of us as much as possible to have a regular practice to develop presence and mindfulness, to have a regular practice like loving kindness or compassion to develop the kind heart, uh, to tune into gratitude, tune into the positive, tune into joy at this time. And then I think very obviously uh, a central practice right now is being skillful with difficult emotions, thoughts, and body states. And this is very, very central. And really, it's where our practice can be a very, very obvious benefit. And again, very connected with not taking in too much uh, scary information. So to have the attitude of taking challenges as an integral part of our practice, I, I think immediately of two... Uh, wonderful Tibetan slogans uh, that are very relevant for our times. One of them is from the Lojong teachings. It goes, Turn all obstacles into the path of practice. Turn all obstacles into the path of practice. And a second is um, sort of a Tibetan uh, saying, which goes something like this. uh, when the sun shines and my belly is full, I look like a Dharma practi- a practitioner. But it is when difficulties arise that my faults are exposed. <laughs> and so uh, this is really just to say that uh, challenges can be uh, times of, of great learning and also ways in which our practice can really be be useful. And so I'll, I'll divide that into a few areas. One of them is is having a, in our toolkit ways of working with difficult emotions that come up. Uh, challenging emotions could be fear, or sadness, or anxiety, or anger. To have ways of working with these, and again, uh, as practitioners, we we know a lot of those guidelines. Uh, maybe I'll just give a few overview suggestions here. As I mentioned in the uh, comments during the meditation, it's really crucial to have a sense of what we might call the degree of difficulty. I like to use the Olympic scale that divers use of one to 10. And when we're having challenging experiences, I think very good initially is just to know what is the degree of difficulty? Is this a five? Is it a three? Is, is it a 9 or a 10, where it can feel overwhelming? If it's towards the upper range, sometimes mindfulness is not the best tool. We can think we're being mindful, but we're actually caught in it. And so rather there, when it's uh, at a high level, we want to do that which brings us back to balance. So it could be to apply a meditative antidote. Sometimes loving-kindness or compassion can be really, really crucial. In a, in a difficult moment where it feels like too much. You know, and there's a very beautiful three-step compassion practice from Kristen Neff in which we first say something to the extent of, this is hard, this is difficult. Secondly, we recognize that this is part of the human condition. Everyone at times experiences something like this. We reflect in some way on that. And then thirdly, we offer a kind or supportive thought or uh, gesture to ourselves. So having uh, some of those internal or meditative practice is very helpful, but often it's, we may want to do something physical, take a walk, do something vigorous, uh, talk with a friend, find resources. So, uh, you know, and then if there are ways that we have... uh, significant triggering we might want to use tools that that uh you know come from the the field of working with trauma to to uh if we're if we're having really uh triggered experiences in meditation it's usually best to open the eyes look around find something uh, pleasant or beautiful to to look at uh sometimes we can also bring our attention to our hands or feet or feet, and they're just ways of uh, grounding and taking sort of sh- it actually shifts the very uh, way that the brain works and can help us uh, move out of more difficult uh, ways that we've been triggered there's a lot more we could say there but those are, those are some basics having body practice is really crucial to practice qigong take a lot of walks and so forth and then of course, we know uh, if the emotion, difficult emotions are in the workable range, we can be mindful, we can be present, we can name the experience, first of all. Oh, fear. Oh, let me be with fear. Let me look at it. What's it like in the body? Oh, what's the storyline? What's the storyline that's coming through the narrative? Oh. What's the what's the emotion feel like? What's the fear feel like? Or what's the sadness feel like? How does it change? So to have uh, ways of working in that way with, with the difficult emotions in a parallel way, very, very important to be able to identify uh, especially negative narratives or storylines which can very easily take us over and find ways of working with those. Uh, again, it can be a variety of ways to uh, to do that, uh, we can sometimes, again, it depends on the level of intensity. When it's in the workable range, we can sometimes, when there's a negative narrative, we can bring our attention to our bodies and bring our attention to the heart area. Practice I call dropping down practice. Again, this is really to be done when things are in the workable range, maybe not more than five or six on a scale of ten, and sometimes we can find that there's uh, an unacknowledged emotion that's beneath the thought, and we can actually sometimes touch the emotion, touch the body. You know, maybe the uh, uh, maybe there's anxiety there, and I touch the anxiety, and it can shift it, or I I can work with my sadness and and work with that. Um, And then there are other ways of working with these narratives. Some of you may know the work of Byron Katie, very, very helpful for identifying and working with narratives where we, uh, again, we could take a whole uh, morning on that theme, which we've done sometimes and and could be useful. Um, I'll name a few other things that have been helpful for me and then then we can open things up. One of them is to contemplate the possibility of doing a home retreat, to have a balance of uh, really deepening in one's own practice while also when it's appropriate to be very connected, helping others and so forth. But there's an opportunity of a home retreat. I have found it extraordinary to uh, take this time to deepen practice. It could be to take a morning for a few hours. It could be to have a Sabbath day once a week, which some of us have practiced. It could be to uh, join in with uh, one of the online Spirit Rock retreats. You know, combine... It's it's really quite exquisite to uh, increase the level of practice and combine it with dealing with practical things. So you might consider that. Uh, kind of related to that, it's also to... Uh, to have enough quiet time because there may be what i'm finding very much from my retreat is that some of my own deeper impulses come to the surface one of the challenges of our time of these uh, weeks may be that our sense of purpose may be uh not there in the usual way and one of the ways that uh a retreat or a deepening of practice can help us is that we may have some of our deeper uh, intentions, our deeper sense of purpose come more to the surface. That's possible during this time. Uh, There can be some tendencies uh, when we're sheltering in place, as many or most of us are doing, to be more passive. But we can really, again, take the time to be more creative and positive and even ask about what is my, you know, is there some way that something is being called uh, from me? Something, Something being called in me that calls me to deepen in some way. Again, it could be all sorts of things. It could be to take on a project of helping others. It could be, oh, now is the time for my writing and my creative work. You know, just to see what's there that helps one to deepen. And then, of course, it's really crucial to give some significant part of our time and energy to helping others. You know, if we're in a place where we can help others um, financially or with uh, individuals with material support, really, really crucial. So to ask oneself, what might be helpful in terms of uh, my own action? We might even take it as a Part of our practice. Let me help others uh, and devote five hours a week, 10 hours a week. We could also help organizations. Obviously at this time all sorts of people are in great need. all sorts of professions. people in the you know in the creative professions are very much uh, uh, in need. Uh, many people in our extended circles may be in need. There's still, of course, there's still, of course, are the underlying uh, crises that I was mostly going to address when I planned to speak on crises many months ago, right? So we may have, uh, we may say now is the time for me to work on climate issues for five hours a week, right? And really devote that. They still have work to be done. There's still a tremendous amount to be done. We also want to be aware of what uh, the writer Naomi Klein calls the sacrifice zones. In crises, uh, those who are most vulnerable are more vulnerable. We may want to help out especially and do work related to those who are homeless or those who are more vulnerable economically, uh, people in prisons. We want to be aware that um, at this time, many of the negative tendencies of our world, we might say the racism or the... You know, I'm particularly tracking a few things. The racism um, can be exacerbated. The sense, that the uh, the divisive calls can be can be there. You know that. You know we can. You know we can see, for example, that uh, many uh, Asian Americans have felt have felt more at risk when some uh, in, in some quarters there's talk about the Chinese virus. We want to be aware. Of those tendencies of racism. We want to be aware, you know, I've noticed that there are a lot of tendencies to ageism that have surfaced in these times. You know, there was the uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Dan Patrick from Texas. He actually said that people who are older should, uh, everyone should go back to work as soon as possible. And if the older people die off more, that's necessary to really support the economy more or less saying that. So, I mean, we see, we can see ageism in various ways. Oh, the older people, they'll die anyway. So let's, you know, that's been said, right? That's been said, that's been said by people in power. So we want to be aware of that. Uh, we want to be aware of those tendencies, and we may want to particularly uh, address some of those ways that the more vulnerable are, are more at risk. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll close. I'll close with uh, two quotations that I found helpful just to finish. And again, recognizing we could, we could take uh, many hours on this. One is from the uh, Austrian teacher, uh, Thomas Hubel. He said this, uh, We are now attuned to the fragility of our world, our deep interconnectedness and interdependence, has become abundantly clear. All that we do in life affects and impacts one another. A collective crisis needs a collective response. In this time of heightened emotions, we can diligently apply practices which will deepen our sense of presence and grounding within ourselves and within the greater collective we share. And then secondly, from... Uh, uh, Joanna Macy, our our beloved friend, a teacher of mine, a mentor, a colleague, who is still actually giving great guidance on the crisis at age 91. Really remarkable. And she said this just recently. As humans, we are called to meet courageously what is obstructing our path. I think she means both personal and collective. That gives us energy. When we meet the challenges in front of us, May they be illness, climate crisis, danger to our democracy, or to vulnerable human beings, fellow human beings. Then we become discerning, eloquent, courageous, and able to hold our heads up. So let me finish with that quote from Joanna and just invite everyone to take a moment uh, based on the talk and your own reflections, just to ask yourself, What may have resonated or what may have come came to mind related to the talk? Maybe what are one or two or three supports or ways I want to respond further that come to mind? Just take a few moments right now. So thank you very kindly for your attention. I, can, I seem to be able to feel it via Zoom in a way that is not so different from being uh, in person. So we want to do, for the next half hour, we want to have two modes of uh, really talking together, again, sharing our, both our collective wisdom and our, our inquiries, our questions. First, we want to have a period um of triads of groups of three that, that uh, Heather will be able to very, very easily uh, break us into. We're going to take about uh, 10 minutes for this. It'll be uh, basically, I want to invite each person to take about three minutes, and I'll, I can do the timing for that, and I'll ring a bell, to take about three minutes to look into, Those two questions that I asked at the end of the sitting. The first is, what have been some of the insights or learnings, what's been helpful, the benefits from the last few weeks, number one, and then what's been difficult, number two. Okay? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.